We left the villagers, melting into the jungle and forming up to head back to camp. The game trail we were using paralleled the rough track for half a mile before turning and heading up the side of the mountain. We hadn't reached the turn when the Aussie on point signaled and we all froze. A couple of moments later, we spread into the underbrush at a sign from him that there was someone approaching. Lucas and I silently made our way to where he had sought cover behind a thick tree. He was focused in the direction of the road and didn't turn his head when we knelt next to him. What? Lucas mumbled. Engine's approaching, he mumbled, pointing with the blade of his hand. It was raining again, and I couldn't hear anything over the sound of water striking the leaves and ground, but I wasn't going to dismiss something just because someone else could hear it and I couldn't. A few moments later, I began to pick up the sound of a motor straining to move its load on the muddy track. Headed for the village, Lucas said. No one around here is going to have a vehicle unless they're a bad guy. I nodded and issued commands over the radio for the team to move to the road. We pushed through the undergrowth and stopped at the abrupt forest edge, where it had been carved out of the earth. How long? I asked the point man. A minute, maybe, he answered. I knew he was basing his answer on the arrival of the vehicle strictly on the sounds that were reaching his ears. Hopefully, he was conservative with his estimate. We split, sending half the team to the far side where they concealed themselves in the foliage. Two-step took a few seconds to scatter tire spikes as he crossed the track. The spikes we carried were made of machined aluminum and were very strong and extremely sharp. For safe carrying our packs, they were encased inside a protective plastic sheath that peeled off easily. Flat on one side for stability, they had a small forest of three-inch spikes that protruded straight up from the ground. They would sink slightly into the mud under the weight of a vehicle tire, but were designed to penetrate the rubber and steel belts rather than just be pushed deep below the surface. The first time I'd witnessed them being demonstrated was on a training range at Fort Bragg. Thick mud so deep it was damn near impossible to walk in had been the test environment. They were tossed out by hand, the flat, weighted side landing face down, so the razor-sharp spikes were pointing at the sky. We'd driven several different vehicles across them at everything from a creeping five miles an hour to a mud-blasting 40, and without fail, they'd flatten the tires on every attempt. I'd made the mistake of trying to pick one up by its spikes, and it wound up with nearly 30 stitches in my hand. We tested them on every surface we could think of, asphalt, sand, the soft bottom of a stream, rocks, you name it, and we tried it. Rocks in a dry stream bed were the only environment where the spikes didn't perform 100% of the time, and that was because there were occasions when they would fall between two larger stones and the sharp points wouldn't be pointed directly up. Spikes in place, we settled into wait. Soon, headlights were visible in the distance, creating two bright halos in the mist-filled air. The engine noise grew in volume, and I could hear a miss as at least one cylinder failed to fire on each stroke of the piston. That most likely ruled out a government vehicle, even in a third-world shithole. As poor as they might be, they did find the money to keep their meager equipment running better than this. As the vehicle continued to approach, it became apparent it was a truck of some sort. The lights were too high off the ground to be a car. It was moving slow, either because of the engine problems or the road conditions, and I could hear mud squishing under its tires. Poon had climbed a few feet up into a large tree 50 yards back into the jungle and had a clear line of sight to the area of the road where the spikes waited. He was our backup just in case things went sideways. Doc and Delka were at the base of the tree, keeping an eye on his back and guarding the large pack he'd left on the ground. 
After what seemed an eternity, the truck came into view. It was an ancient four-wheel drive Toyota Hilux, about as common in Africa as a Chevy or Ford is in America. The engine gasped, knocked, and whined, but somehow kept the vehicle moving. Between the rain and headlights, I couldn't make out the occupants, but knew someone that could. Reaper 5, what do you see? I called the poon over the radio. They in the cab, all with rifles. He answered immediately. Two more in an open bed. There's a pintle, but no machine gun visible. Windows on the cab, up or down? I asked. Down, he answered a moment later. Copy, I said, and issued a quick set of orders. We weren't going to mess around and wind up in a firefight with these guys. I wanted to hit them hard and fast and be on our way. It's only in the movies that you give the bad guys a chance to fight back. Even the most untrained person can get off a lucky shot. The right front tire of the truck.